I want to begin this morning by wishing all of you a blessed 4th of July weekend. Uh, tomorrow morning we will be having a 9 a.m. Mass on the 4th of July, so please come and join us as we celebrate the great gift of freedom and independence in our country. So 9 a.m. Mass tomorrow, no 7 a.m. Mass tomorrow, so you can sleep in a little bit longer for the 4th of July. Um, also, you may have noticed, depending on how with it you are this morning, um, that our beautiful, historic, 100-year-old Stations of the Cross are not here. Uh, don't worry, they haven't been stolen. Those are hard to steal. Um, but we have taken them down, and they're currently um, in the process of being repaired and also painted in full color, um, really for the first time in, in a long, long time. So last Tuesday evening, I took the seminarians out for dinner, and then we came back and said, guys, we got a little project to do. So we took all 14 down. Um, they're quite heavy, but they're strong, stronger than I am. And so we took them down, and now they're out in uh, Wisconsin, where we found an artist who paints Stations of the Cross, and we provided an image in the bulletin this weekend so you can have a sense for what they're going to look like. They're really quite breathtaking, uh, brought to life in full color. I'm glad none of you were here because one of the stations, um, the one way above the entrance here, you can't see it if you're in the back of the church, but it's above the exit sign there. It's quite high. Um, it was interesting to get down. Uh, it's good none of you work for OSHA or are snitches for OSHA because you'd be turning us in. Um, but it's amazing. We didn't break one of them. Um, and the one that's way up there, the 11th station where Jesus is being nailed to the cross, the fellow who has the hammer or whatever instrument they use to nail him to the cross, um, he actually, when we took it down, realized he had no right arm. The right arm at some point had fallen out. I think it's been right armless for four decades now. And uh, no one's ever pointed it out, right? It's amazing. So the artist we found told us that she's going to find us a right arm uh, that we'll be putting on the 11th station. So um, I thank you for your patience. I know that it looks pretty stark without having our stations at the cross. But after five days now of having mass without them, you get used to it after a couple days, okay? So thanks for your patience as we um, enliven our stations and bring them even more to life as we pray with them uh, throughout the year. So last week, last week we heard from the Gospel of Luke in which Jesus talked about the demands of discipleship. And he laid out some pretty demanding requirements for the life of a disciple, right? And he used the image where he said, foxes have dens and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to rest his head. And what I proposed last weekend is that actually the Son of Man does have a place to rest his head. It's supposed to be us, right? It's supposed to be you. It's supposed to be me. The place where Jesus wants to rest is right here in us, in this parish, in our souls, in our families, right? So how are we doing with that? Are we giving a place for the Son of Man to rest his head? So Jesus talks about the, de the demand of discipleship. Now everyone, we shouldn't be surprised when we hear the gospel and it's challenging, right? That shouldn't surprise us, but it does, right? The reason it shouldn't surprise us is because Jesus always raises the bar higher to a higher way of living, a higher way of loving. The demand of the gospel is meant to be challenging. If it's not challenging, we're probably not hearing it correctly. So we shouldn't be surprised at the demand of discipleship. And Jesus painted that portrait last weekend. 
But now this weekend, in this gospel, also from Luke, he paints another portrait. But it's not necessarily the portrait of discipleship. It's something else. So let's go to this opening line where he says, at that time, or we're told, at that time, the Lord, Jesus, appointed 72 others whom he sent ahead of him in pairs to every town and place he intended to visit. So Jesus calls 72, and he sends them ahead of him because he knows where he's going. And so to envision for a moment Jesus being in Galilee, being in northern Israel, preaching, teaching, casting out demons, healing the sick, raising the dead, preaching the gospel, and he knows where he's going to go, but what does he do first? He sends out 72 ahead of him in pairs to prepare them for his coming. That's what he does. That's what it says he does. Now, why 72? At that time, in ancient Israel, the Jewish people numbered the nations outside of Jerusalem, totaling 72. To them, there were 72 foreign nations outside of their own nation. So what Jesus is making clear here, what the Gospel of Luke is making clear, is where are these 72 going? They're going as representatives to the entire world. They're leaving Israel, and now they're going forth, bringing the gospel outside of the boundaries of Israel. They're going to the nations, 72 of them representing the 72 nations, and they go in pairs. Now, I said that Jesus is trying to paint a certain portrait here. If last week the portrait was discipleship, what is it this week? Well, this would be an image of what? The church. It's that simple. The church is being sent out. The apostles, the disciples are being sent out, 72, two by two, to prepare for the coming of the kingdom. This is an image, everyone, of a church on mission. Again, not making this up, just reading the gospel in a faithful way, trying to. This is the church being sent. Now, here's the question I have for us this morning as well. This little phrase I'm going to read to you, when you hear it, what do most of us talk about when we say this? When the church today talks about this verse from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, what do we usually refer to? The harvest is abundant, but the laborers are few. So ask the master of the harvest to send out laborers for his harvest. I'm willing to guess you're saying in your mind right now, oh, He's talking about priests. He's talking about seminarians. What a great quote for a seminarian poster, right? Do we need priests? Yeah. Do we want lots of seminarians? You bet. We need the sacraments. We need God's mercy. We need the Eucharist. We need baptism. We need the anointing of the sick. We need the preaching of the gospel. But he's just talking about vocations here to the priesthood. No. Not at all. The harvest is abundant, but the laborers are few. Who are the laborers? The laborers are the baptized. Who's the harvest? The world. The question, everyone, is also, 
When Jesus says the harvest is abundant, do we believe that? Do we believe that there is an abundant harvest out there waiting to be harvested and brought to fulfillment to bear fruit for the salvation of the world? The answer is yes. The harvest is abundant. Are the laborers few? I think so. Wouldn't you say? But what Jesus wants to do in his church today is engage laborers, engage the baptized in the work of mission for the salvation of souls. Because what is the mission of the church? It has always been one thing, salvation of souls. And who's meant to be engaged in that? Us, the baptized, the laborers. And Jesus says, yeah, there are few. So let's ask the master of the harvest to send out laborers for his harvest. I know we get tired at times of saying, Father, I just want to go to Mass. Uh uh. Uh uh. That's not an option. Just going to Mass is not an option. Because the church, in her essence, in her nature, at her core, at her foundation, is mission. Always has been, always will be on mission. And the Lord sends us out to be laborers for his harvest. Because the harvest is ready. The laborers are few. May we be faithful workers in the vineyard of the Lord.